Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. clap of praise this morning. God, this morning we've come to remember your sacrifice, to remember the death of Jesus upon the cross for us, but that he is not dead, but he is alive, just as he said that he would be. And so God, this morning we have come to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, and I believe this morning, God, that you want to move in the hearts of each person that's here. And so, God, we pray that over the next few moments that your Holy Spirit would do something special, that your Holy Spirit would do something fresh in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, you may be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team. Incredible job this morning. Thank you for joining us today in person and also online. It's great to have you here this Easter Sunday morning. I tell you, last year was so weird to not be able to gather on Easter Sunday, but today to be able to gather in person as well as online is just a, it's a great treat and so glad to have each of you here. Resurrection Sunday reminds us all to look back and to look at what he has done and to know that death did not have the final say. Amen. And just as that song said, we'll never forget, we will always remember the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us. I want to say to each of you, I know it's not going to be the first time that you've heard it today. I've heard it at least a dozen times, if not more. But happy Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Well, we've been in a series the last number of weeks, the last six weeks leading up to this Sunday, and we've looked at some of the passages and looked at some of the moments in Jesus's journey to the cross. We've looked at a number of characters and their actions along the way. And if you've missed any of these services, we'd encourage you to listen online at crosspointwaverly.com, find us on YouTube or Spotify or Facebook, and make sure that you listen to those messages and those services. Well, each week in this series, we've gotten a little closer to the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And this morning, I want us to look at the idea that the journey to the cross ends in joy. The journey to the cross ends in joy. There's this great illustration that PG shared with me. He's our children's pastor, if you don't know him. And a few weeks ago, he just peeked into my office and he said, hey, here's this illustration that I'm going to be sharing with the kids in Kids Church. And he started talking about supercomputers. And he started listing off all of these different stats, and he said that the, the supercomputers, the fastest computer on the earth, and the first was invented by this man named Cray in 1964, and then Japan had this computer that could compute, I don't even know what any of this means, it could compute 442,000 teraflops per second. I guess that's fast, I don't know. And then there was the Summit computer, which was the most advanced computer And it was built in 2018. And it beat Japan's computer. And then Google developed a computer with all of your information on it. Ooh. That's right. Google developed a computer in 2020. (laughs) Y'all are too much. Developed a computer in 2020 that did the job in three minutes and 20 seconds that would have taken the Summit computer 10,000 years to complete. Wow, that's what I said. And as he said all of that, I said, 
with, with all of those advances in technology, yet there's still no way that a man-made computer can calculate how wide and long and deep and high is the love of God. So no matter the advances in technology, there's still no way that we can even compute the love of God. The journey to the cross ends in joy for us and for others. The journey to the cross ends in joy for us and for others. Friday night, we looked at the suffering and the crucifixion of Jesus. And if you missed our Good Friday service, I'm telling you, you missed it. But go back and watch it online. It was a powerful, powerful service. As that song said this morning, we'll never forget. And some of you could, could be thinking this morning about the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us. And you could think, how in the world could that gruesome scene lead to such joy for us and others? Well, here's, here's how. It's because we know the backstory and we know the end. We know that this was the plan to bring redemption to the whole world. Charles Dickens wrote in the book, A Tale of Two Cities, he says, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief, it was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light, it was the season of darkness, it was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair. And Mark Batterson in his book, Win the Day, about this quote, says more than just an epic opening, it's a truthful take on life. We want the best of times without the worst. We want wisdom without foolishness, light without darkness, hope without despair. That isn't really, uh, isn't reality, is it? The best of times and the worst of times often occur at the same time. Life is a two-sided coin. As we look at the Passion Week, we want the forgiveness of sins without the suffering of Jesus. We want the freedom from addiction without the journey to the cross. And the reason why the journey to the cross ends in joy is because of the coupling of the worst times with the best times. The worst day in history is followed by the greatest. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at a number of scriptures, so as you're taking notes, you can write these down. You can also follow along on your digital device, and the verses will also be on the screen. But Matthew chapter 28 Verse number one says this, Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. For he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took a hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there there." They will see me. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word, for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you open up our ears to hear and our hearts to receive and our minds to understand what you would have for us? In Jesus' name, amen. We serve a God that does what he says he's going to do. In verse number six, the verse says, he is not here for he is risen just as he said. The pain of Friday is eased on Sunday. 
Now, this isn't a one-to-one equivalent, but how many of you have ever come upon a horrible accident and you're driving? Okay? Now, how many of you, when you come upon that accident and somehow you see that that person escaped unscathed, there's a, a moment of, of, of relief for you? Right? When you see the carnage of the wreckage, but yet there's a person who escapes without a scratch on their body, then all of a sudden there's a relief from the trauma that everyone is okay But I don't know, when we think about the crucifixion of Jesus, how you could ever get over the trauma of seeing Jesus bloodied and on the cross. I don't know how you could ever get over those images. I've shared with you uh, before that I watched the Passion of the Christ movie one time. And one time was enough for me. Like, I'm fully aware that it is not the actual event of Jesus's crucifixion. It is actors reenacting what happened on that day, but the visual imagery is so much that I don't care to ever see it again. And I can't imagine what it would have been like for those who saw it in person. Yet on Sunday morning, there is relief from the trauma because Jesus is not in the tomb, he's alive. So there's this sadness that our sins were so bad that Jesus had to give his life, but our hearts are full because he was willing to do so. Luke chapter 24 records some of the other details of the resurrection story. In this passage, there are two men who are on the road to Emmaus, and they're talking with each other about what's just happened. Now, I know that none of you have ever done this, and so I just know the audience, right? So I wouldn't dare ask if any of you have ever done this. Instead, I'll ask it this way. How many of you know people who maybe at one time in their life was talking about someone else without knowing that the person that they were talking about was right there. Okay, yeah, I know that all of you are glad that it didn't happen to you, that it happened to someone else. But this is the experience of these two men on the road to Emmaus. As they're walking, Jesus approaches them, and as they're recounting the events that have just transpired, Luke writes that for some reason their eyes uh, were kept from recognizing Jesus, and Jesus asks them, he says, what y'all talking about? What y'all talking about? And with sadness, they say, are you the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's happened over the last couple of days? And in Luke chapter 24, verse number 19, Jesus says to them, what things? <laughs> and they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be contemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. It's crazy that these men can recount all of the details of this story, but yet as Jesus is standing there right there with them face to face, they don't recognize him. They tell Jesus that some women have gone to the grave and that his body's not there. They report that the angels have said that Jesus is alive, and they said that others went and looked, and sure enough, the tomb was empty, but Jesus was nowhere to be found. And Jesus has had enough of hearing about this story, and he looks at them and says, y'all are really dumb for real. And you say, there's no way that Jesus would ever call someone dumb. Wrong. Read your Bible right here. Verse number 25, he says to them, oh, foolish ones. And if that's not calling someone dumb, I don't know what is. He says, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken to you. 
Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all of the scriptures the things concerning him. And so Jesus continues to walk into town with them, and he sits down and has a meal with them, and he breaks the bread with them, and then all of a sudden they recognize, they recognize Jesus, and he vanishes from their sight. Like, poof, he's gone. And then they again are talking about Jesus, and I don't know if you find the details in the Bible as funny as what I do, but here these men again are talking about Jesus, and Jesus just appears. He's... He's just right there, and it had to be freaky. In fact, the Bible says that uh, even after Jesus says to them in verse number 36, they're still frightened, and in verse number 37, it says, but they were startled and frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Jesus shows them his hands and his feet, and they still just couldn't believe it. They were filled with joy, and they marveled. And then just like that, in that moment, Jesus says, Do you have something here for me to eat? And so they serve him a piece of broiled fish. I don't know what your Easter lunch is going to look like today. Mine's not going to be broiled fish. <laughs> Once Jesus is filled up, fueled up physically, then he begins to pour out into them spiritually and to fill their hearts. And he opened their minds to why in the midst of all that had happened, the journey to the cross ends in joy. In Luke chapter 24, verse number 44, it says, Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to, uh, in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Jesus said, everything written about me in the Old Testament must be fulfilled. And then he opened up their minds to understand the scripture. We should be praying each day as we have our devotion time with God. God, open up my mind to understand the scriptures. You heard me pray this morning. Uh, as part of this message, God, open up our ears to hear and our hearts to receive and our minds to understand what you have for us. Jesus opened up their minds to understand the scripture. In verse number 36, it says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Jesus is not dead, he's alive. And the journey to the cross ends in joy because we see that Jesus is trustworthy and that he does what he says he's gonna do. If he can fulfill all of those prophecies about himself that we find in the Bible, if he can be raised from the dead, then we know he's trustworthy. In verse number 47, he says, And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. The journey to the cross ends in joy for each person who receives the message of repentance and forgiveness of sins. 
John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Many of you could quote it. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And in verse number 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This gospel message is good news for everyone. Male or female, Jew or Gentile, rich or poor, the journey to the cross ends in joy for all who confess Jesus as Savior because the cross is the way that we make it to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. He died for all. And there are some of you who've joined us today or some of you who are watching online and you think that this message is for someone else. And I just want to tell you this morning that this message is for somebody else, but it's also for you. The good news is for everyone. The gospel message is for everyone. Some of you might believe that, the, that believe in the love of God, but you don't believe that he could love you. And I'm just telling you again, all includes you. The journey to the cross ends in joy for you. It ends in joy for each of us. The weight of sin can be lifted because of the cross. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 19 says that if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's incredible news. It's incredible news. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The journey to the cross ends in joy for each of us. The journey to the cross ends in joy for others. Because of the joy that each of us have experienced and because all that Christ has done for us, it should compel us to want to help others experience that same joy. Chapter 24, verse number 46, it says, And, and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. We have a responsibility and a duty to take the gospel to all nations. One of the reasons why I love Kingdom Builders, and you heard Pastor Madison celebrate that this morning and gave us an opportunity to worship the Lord through our regular Sunday morning tithes and Kingdom Builders offerings. One of the reasons why I love Kingdom Builders so much is because it enables us to help fulfill the Great Commission. For those of you who don't know what Kingdom Builders is, Kingdom Builders is our funding initiative for global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. And so there are people around the world who have never one time heard the gospel message. There are people around the world who are living in communities where there's not only, where there's not a church, and there's also not a single believer in their community. Think about that for a moment. There's not a single church, and there's not a single witness in their community. Each week, except for the last few weeks as we've been highlighting Convoy of Hope, we've prayed for specific countries. And we pray for unreached people groups. And unreached people groups are people who have no access or very little access to the gospel. Kingdom Builders enables us to help mobilize missionaries to go to the least reached and the unreached around the world. One of our global partners with Kingdom Builders is Convoy of Hope. And we have partnered with them for the last seven years as a church. We love them. We appreciate all that they're doing. They respond to, they do things like disaster relief. So around the globe, in our nation, as different disasters hit, they respond. They also feed kids around the world in a number of different feeding uh, programs and centers. And today through next Sunday, 
we're gonna be receiving a special offering. And so we call that a one day to feed the world offering where we're asking everybody in the church to give one day's wage. As you came in this morning, there was this little pamphlet on, uh, on your seat. It's such a hard word to come up with, seat. <laughs> Glad it came up. And so there it is. You can read all about Convoy of Hope with that. But today, as well as through next Sunday, every dollar that's given to Kingdom Builders. So some of you are like, do we give it to Kingdom Builders? Do we give it to Convoy of Hope? How do we do this? This is one time in our annual uh, calendar where we're going to take up a special offering for Kingdom Builders that all of this money that comes in will go to Convoy of Hope. So it doesn't matter how you market this week. If you market Convoy of Hope or if you market Kingdom Builders, if you market Tithe, it's going to go into Tithe. But if you market One Day to Feed the World, Kingdom Builders, uh, then between now and next Sunday, it's going to go to Convoy of Hope. So for those of you who are like, I don't know how to calculate my one day's wage, well, uh, let me help you out. Okay? For those of you who work eight hours in a day and you are paid hourly, you just simply take the amount of money that you're paid hourly and you multiply it by eight. You're like, wow, it's that simple. It is, right? And those of you who uh, are salaried, what you could do is take your annual income, divide it by 52 weeks, and then divide it by five if you work five days a week and you have your number. Now, I love that we would take one of the biggest services and the biggest influence Sundays of our year and leverage it for people who are less fortunate than us. The journey to the cross ends in joy for us and also for others. And as we give today, as we're part of God's global mission, we get to experience the joy of others experiencing his joy, and the cycle continues. I'm going to ask that you would turn your attention to the screen and watch this Convoy of Hope video. The words of Jesus ring true in Matthew 25, 40, where he says, Whatever you do for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you do for me. One Day to Feed the World embraces the heart of individual empowerment by doing just that. We have the ability, collectively, to improve the lives of countless people. By giving one day of your salary, you are transforming your daily work into momentum and ministry through the sustained efforts of Convoy of Hope around the world. Your giving makes life-changing impact every day, and together we are making the kingdom of God bigger. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 40 says, And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. This morning, again, as you came in in your seats, there were special convoy of hope, one day to feed the world, offering envelopes. We've been talking about this opportunity for the last four weeks. And I've been praying as leading up to this service today, that you would experience two things. Number one, that everyone who hears this message would experience the joy that comes from the journey to the cross. And secondly, that all of us would experience the joy of being part of someone else's journey to the cross. The journey to the cross ends in joy for us and it also ends in joy for Jesus. You say, how does it end in joy for Jesus? Well, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder 
the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer of Hebrew writes, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. How does that lead to joy for Jesus? It leads to joy for Jesus because through the cross, your sins are forgiven. Through the cross, your hope is restored and your life is redeemed. Your joy leads to his joy. We are his joy. I'm gonna ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room this morning. Maybe there are some of you who've joined us online today or you've joined us in person and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you say, today is the day that I wanna become a follower of him. Today's the day where I wanna confess him as my Lord and Savior and experience the forgiveness of sins. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God and you say, this morning, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. I'm gonna invite each of you to say that prayer after me. And if, if that's you, I want you to mean it with everything that's within you. And know that you're not gonna be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you also gonna be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you said that prayer today for the first time or you made a commitment to come back to, to see your relationship restored back to the Lord, I'm going to ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Now some of you have experienced the joy of salvation this morning, but each of us are going to have an opportunity in this part in our service to be invited into the journey of someone else to the cross, to experience in the invitation of others experiencing that joy. And so again, as you walked in, you saw these booklets and these envelopes in your seats. And there are multiple ways that you can give to Convoy of Hope, to our Kingdom Builders offering this morning. One is you can uh, open up this envelope, stick check or cash into here. And uh, I'm going to ask that you would not use the credit card option that's on this envelope right here. Instead, that you would go online to crosspointwaverly.com. You can text your amount to the number that's on the screen, or you could mail or drop it off. Again, all this week, everything that comes in today through next Sunday for Kingdom Builders will go towards our, uh, our goal for one day to feed the world with Convoy of Hope. And here's what I want to tell you. Today, your giving will enable you to be a part of someone else's journey to the cross. Someone is going to experience the joy of salvation because you gave. I want to pray. And that, let's all stand all across this room. Worship team's about to lead us in a song, but let me pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for the joy that comes from the journey to the cross. 
God, we thank you that you loved us so much that you would send your, your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. This morning we celebrate that Jesus is not dead, but he is alive just as he said he would be. And so God, this morning we celebrate and we rejoice over the people this morning, either watching online or in person, who made a commitment to follow after you. God, we celebrate and rejoice that countless people around the globe on this day are gathered together to celebrate Resurrection Sunday and that there are going to be people around the globe who give their hearts to you as a result of hearing the gospel message today. So God, we thank you for the opportunity of kingdom builders and the part that we can play in the journey of someone else's journey to the cross. And so God, we thank you for the joy of salvation that's in our hearts and we thank you for the opportunity to be able to complete the cycle and to send it on and experience the joy of others experiencing the joy of their salvation. So God, I pray as we come together this morning, as each of us do our part, that you would multiply it and that over the next two weeks that we would celebrate you performing a, a, a miraculous uh, outpouring of generosity in this service. So God, we thank you for what you've done today and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.